This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Radio.com Sports presents Bet Sweats with Joe Ostrowski, breaking down the latest in sports betting. All right, we've been discussing a multitude of player props for Championship Sunday, but we need clearance from our guy, Michael Beller, that he's all in, too. And find out his favorite place. He was all about Aaron Rodgers, and that came through last week for us. Uh, Michael Beller, at mbeller on Twitter. He's a podcast host and producer for The Athletic. Uh, Michael, how you feeling heading into Championship Sunday? I am feeling very good, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, we should probably just go back to the well on him, right? Uh, maybe. <laughs> Let, well, let's start there. Uh, if you want to throw in your favorite side, if you have a side or a total in that game, let's talk about the NFC Championship game because um, we're going to have a lot of follow-ups. We have a lot of different player props that we find appealing, and I know I'm going to have to trim it down. If you have a game script in mind, you don't want to bet 20 different props. Why don't you just go heavier on the side or total if you're think if you're thinking about going that route? Yeah, I totally agree with that. That's a lesson that uh, has been hard learned over the last couple of years, but learned, which is the important one. And that that's not only my favorite side in this game, in the NFC Championship game, but my favorite play of the weekend is the Packers minus three and a half. For a lot of the reasons that Simon was just saying in your previous segment, uh, not only is everything lining up from a narrative sense uh, for the Packers, but everything's lining up on the field with the way they've played. They've distinguished themselves as the best team in the NFC. And I think that they've put themselves in the group a few weeks ago with the Chiefs and the Bills, a cut above the rest of the other very good teams in the NFL. But those are the three best teams in the league. They were going into the playoffs. They've looked like it so far in the playoffs. And I really just don't see Tampa stopping this Green Bay runaway train. I think the way that that offense is playing, the way that that passing game is playing, the lessons learned from the regular season game between these two teams all add up to advantage Packers and two advantage Packers, whether you're getting them at minus three, minus three and a half, whatever the case might be, uh, depending on your book, it just feels as though this is the Packers game. And the biggest thing that I take away from that regular season game was the way the Buccaneers were able to get so much pressure on Aaron Rodgers, make him uncomfortable. He hasn't been sacked against the blitz since, since that game has not taken a sack on a blitz. And I I think that really tells everything we need to know about where this Packers team is right now. That is my favorite play of the week and where I'll be concentrating on my most units, just Packers uh, against the spread. Michael, I'm glad because uh, same here. And I'm glad that you brought up, you know, Rodgers hasn't been sacked off the blitz since that game when he took three sacks through two interceptions. Since then, they started using their running backs more in pass protection. So Jamal Williams, I mean, he got dinged up and he missed some time, but he's back now. He's fully healthy. A.J. Dillon's back. And for the first time all season long, we saw Matt LaFleur last week use all three on the same drive. I'm looking at a prop that I love right now. uh, Simon didn't really love any of the rushing props. I love Jamal Williams over 20 and a half rushing yards because I think they're going to use him a lot in pass protection. Obviously, you're not going to only be able to have him out there on passing downs. And if you look what he did against Tampa Bay in that first meeting, he only had four carries and he went over 30 yards. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, I'm more with Simon in that my player prop is going to be focused. My player prop uh, weight is going to be more focused on both teams 
passing games. I will say if I were going to make a play, I would feel better about Jamal Williams hitting his over than about Aaron Jones hitting his over. Aaron Jones, obviously, uh, one of the most talented backs in the league, and I think the guy who's still certainly coming into this year, maybe this year erased it, uh, one of the more underappreciated backs in the league for everything he brings to the table. But the one knock that he did have on him last year and coming into this year was, can he hold up in pass protection? We know how important that is for any team and certainly for someone who has to contribute in protecting Aaron Rodgers. And so that could lead to a little bit more Jamal Williams in this game than we're used to seeing. And we're already used to seeing a fair amount of Jamal Williams. So while I'm staying away from it personally, I do think if you go with one of those guys, if you're tempted to bet a Packer running back over because you think that the great game script is going to play out that way, I would feel a little bit better about Williams hitting his lower total than Jones getting to his. All right, Michael, well, tell us about these passing game props that you <laughs> love in the NFC Championship. I mean, how can we fade Aaron Rodgers? Is there any fading Aaron no. Rodgers at this point? I mean, you just can't do it, right? This is either you're betting the over on Aaron Rodgers or you're staying away from it. And I just want to bet the over with everything that we've seen from him. And one thing that I really like about this matchup for Aaron Rodgers, other than the fact that you know, every matchup is a good matchup for Aaron Rodgers, is the fact that the Buccaneers, as good as they are against the run, as much as they can create pressure, especially with getting Vita Vea back this week, is that they have been susceptible to big plays, to deep passes. And we saw how uh, smartly Matt LaFleur used Alan Lazard last week. Uh, we know that he is a guy who does a lot of uh, the dirty work in the Green Bay receiver core. And they had a few opportunities to hit big plays with him, one that he dropped, and then won the big touchdown to him that iced the game for the Packers uh, last week. I think they can do similar things to the Buccaneers with both Lazard and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. So I think both of those guys uh, could have good games, or both one of those guys could hit a big play. It all feeds back to Aaron Rodgers being able to hit the over on his number. 279 and a half is the one that we're looking at there. And then something that works in conjunction with that, I like a Marquez Valdez-Scantling as an anytime TV play. I actually took him as the first touchdown just to have a little bit of fun and juice my odds a little bit, but I like him there. I like him as the anytime TV play as well because of the fact that this Tampa Bay team just has been uh, vulnerable to the deep pass, and I think we're going to see Aaron Rodgers hit a couple of these in this one. What are your thoughts on some of the Tampa Bay passing props then? Because obviously what will concern you will be mm -hmm. Tom Brady playing in the cold weather, but he's used to playing in the cold weather. I just right. think Green Bay gets off of the start that they want. He's going to be throwing the ball a lot in the second half. But I'm looking at Mike Evans, 62 and a half. If you look what Jair Alexander did again last week, mm -hmm. he was targeted three times, gives up one reception for negative four yards. <laughs> He's going to most likely be on Evans 70% of the time, shut him down week six. What are your thoughts maybe on an under or anything you like with Tampa Bay and their passing attack as far as props go? Yeah, Ryan, we are in total lockstep here. I am staying away from Mike Evans. And you talk about what Jair Alexander did last week. Well, how about what Mike Evans did or didn't do, as the case may be, uh, against Marshawn Lattimore, right? One catch, it was a touchdown, so at least he made a count, but one catch, three yards, uh, he got totally locked down, and I think we're going to see Jair Alexander uh, attempt to do the same thing that he did last week and that Marshawn Lattimore did on Mike Evans a week ago. Obviously, Lattimore and Evans are one of the best one-on-one -on -one, uh, rivalries that we have in the NFL, so what that leads me to is Less wanting to fade Mike Evans and play the under there just because of how dangerous of a receiver he is. Like, we could be right about Mike Evans, and he could be getting shut down, shut down, shut down, and then boom, hit you for 140-yard play. And suddenly what has looked like a great bet loses, even though the process led you to what was likely the right place. So instead of doing that, I look at Chris Godwin's over. 63.5 is the number that I saw it at this morning, and I really like that. I think that he's going to be the most active receiver for the Buccaneers, not only because of the uh, matchup disadvantage or at least matchup neutral 
uh, battle between Jair Alexander and Mike Evans, but because I think Chris Godwin is the guy who can really have a matchup advantage for the Buccaneers and bring the force of that passing game to bear for this team. So despite the fact that he had the drops in their first game of the playoffs against Washington, had, I think, what's a little mischaracterized, a little bit of an unfair drop uh, tagged to him last week on that uh, would-be touchdown. That would have been a hell of a catch, even though it hit his hands. Um, I I think that he's going to have a lot of trust from Tom Brady and that he's going to be the guy who leads the team in targets this week. And if we are right about the way Green Bay's offense goes, I think it's going to be enough targets to get him over that 63-and-a-half number. All right, very good. Really like Green Bay laying the three and a half. Rodgers over the passing yards. MVS anytime touchdown, almost three to one. And if you're looking on the Tampa side, that Godwin number 63 and a half uh, appealing to Michael Beller. Now let's look um, Sunday night. Got the Bills and the Chiefs, mm-hmm. Kansas City favored by three. High total of 54. Side total props, where are we going? Yeah, I'm afraid of this game, guys. I could see it going in so many different ways, right? I just like, I have so much respect for both of these teams, and it, it scares me away. It's uh, the way that I'm looking at playing this most is by putting the cheat or putting the, the Bills, excuse me, into a teaser with the Packers. So that's going to put you on the Packers at three, two and a half, somewhere right around there, and then the Bills at plus nine. And that's the way that I like to get invested in this game uh, most. Uh, and then I also look at the Chiefs' money line. I just want to take the spread out of play in this game because of the way that these two teams played. I think it's hard to draw a lot from their meeting in the regular season. There were so many injuries for Buffalo that are no longer at play. So much health for Kansas City that is no longer at play in this one. So I I think that it's hard to draw a ton from that. Obviously, the big loss uh, that Buffalo had in the regular season game, that is not the case in this meeting uh, on Sunday is Matt Milano, uh, a star linebacker for that team, did not play in the regular season. He'll be out there. He'll be active for the Bills this Sunday. And I think that could really change the way, change the looks that they throw at Patrick Mahomes. Having said that, this is still Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense. So with the with the way the spread goes and with the way these two, these two teams line up with one another, I really do find myself wanting to take that out of the equation. And that's why I do like the Bills as part of the teaser and then the Chiefs money line. It gives you a nice big window too, right? Especially if, you, if you've done well in the NFC Championship game and you have that teaser going into it, we could very easily see a Chiefs win by less than nine. And you're feeling pretty good about both those bets going into the AFC game at night. This game scares me too, even when we look at props, because I just don't know what the game plan's going yeah. to be for Kansas City, because in that first matchup, they were able to run the football, you know, and Edward Slayer had 160 yards mm-hmm. on the ground. For Buffalo, we we think we know the game plan. They're going to throw the ball. They don't like to run the ball a whole lot. Any props you're looking at, I think me and Joe agreed, we kind of like the Josh Allen over on rushing yards. Um, other than that, though, I mean, I just don't know what these game plans are going to look like. I've got two props written down here, you guys. I'll make it unanimous on Josh Allen. I've got the over there as well. And then I've got the under on Devin Singletary's rushing yards. Uh, yeah, I just don't think that it's going to be uh, enough of an increase in his workload with Zach Moss out to really get him over that number. And the Bills, I mean, they just don't want to play that game, right? Even if you know that uh, controlling the ball and possessing the ball and keeping Patrick Mahomes off the field is a smart way to play it against the Chiefs, like that's still not the Bills. And I don't see why the Bills should be convinced that their best way to win this game and advance to the Super Bowl is to play defense with their offense. Like, why would the Bills think that? With the way that that offense has played, with the leap that Josh Allen has made this year, with the seamless addition of Stephon Diggs and how he has elevated Josh Allen's game and how he's opened things up for uh, uh, Cole Beasley and Gabriel Davis and even Isaiah McKenzie when he gets involved, John Brown, obviously, uh, being able to make big plays down the field, like, 
if you're the Chiefs or if you're the Bills and you're Brian Dable, why are you sitting back and saying that we should be the ones who should change our game to protect ourselves against their quarterback? Couldn't the Chiefs make that same argument to themselves? I just don't think that that is going to be the game plan that we see from the Bills. I think that either they play their game and they are able to stay ahead of uh, the sticks and uh, stay at least uh, in a one-score window and there's no reason for them to change what they're doing or we're wrong and the Chiefs end up getting out to a big lead and then the Bills are going to be in throw mode the whole game. Either way, it leads me strongly away from Devin Singletary's rush prop. So that is one that I do feel relatively good about. It's the one I would feel best about. Maybe I end up getting a little bit more involved in the prop market, depending on how things go for me uh, with the NFC Championship game and college basketball the next few days. But that's where I'm sitting on Friday morning. Michael, I'm conflicted about Kelsey. Like, yeah, I believe that it could be a Kelsey game again. They could target him in the red zone when he scored two touchdowns when these two teams met earlier in the year in week number six. But I look at these numbers and he had another game. He went over 100 yards last week. They put it at 95 and a half. And the anytime touchdown is minus 135. Like, while I believe it could be a big Kelsey game and I'm interested in the props, I don't know that I could bet these. Yeah, I, I totally hear you, Joe. And, uh, you know, it, it's also it's almost as though that the Kelsey props are harder to trust because of how good and diverse Kansas City's passing game is. And that's part of the reason why I ultimately like Kansas City as the winner, even though I'm not super comfortable laying the three to get them, is because of the fact that you really can't totally take away everything that this passing offense wants to do. And we actually have a, a great uh, breakdown article uh, up on The Athletic uh, right now from uh, Shield Capadia and Ted Wynn. And they referenced a quote from Sean McDermott after the regular season meeting between these two teams uh, where he said that you really have to pick your poison playing the Chiefs. And he was talking about versus the run versus the pass. And Ryan, you mentioned what Clyde Edwards-Alaire did in that first game between these two teams. But you also have to pick your poison, Travis Kelsey or Tyreek Hill. There's really no way to take both both of them away on any one given play. You can try to limit Hill. You can try to limit Kelsey. You really can't do it with both. And what that scares me about with Travis Kelsey is that what if they do focus on him? What if they take Travis Kelsey away and they and they uh, take their chances with Tyreek Hill? It wouldn't be the craziest thing considering where some of the strengths of Buffalo's pass defense is. And, and it makes me a little bit intimidated about Travis Kelsey. I will say the reason why I like the Kelsey prop better than the Tyreek Hill prop, the one thing uh, that I would take away from that regular season game is that the Bills, with the way that they played that defense, they were saying, you know, look, if they, if they are able to, run multiple 10, 12-play drives and beat us like that, so be it. But we are not letting them get a two-play, 87-yard drive on us the way that the Chiefs do and score these touchdowns quick. And so that would lead me to believe that if they are more concerned right, about one of these superstars, it would be Tyreek Hill and not Travis Kelsey. So similar to what I said with the Green Bay game, when you're looking at those running backs, and if I was going to play someone's over, it would be Jamal Williams versus Aaron Jones because of the way I expect Green Bay to want to do things offensively. If I'm going to play Tyreek Hill's prop or Travis Kelsey's prop, I would feel a little bit better about Kelsey hitting his over because I would expect the Bills to play that similar style of defense and just not let Tyreek Hill strike them deep. Michael, really quick, uh, going back to the NFC Championship game because you just brought up the running backs again. And I, I mean, obviously, I'd go Jamal Williams over Aaron Jones. Uh, for the same case. But when you look at Tampa Bay's running backs, Ronald Jones right now on points bet, 35 and a half uh, yards rushing. You mm-hmm. go back to that week six game, 23 carries, 113 yards. Leonard Fournette uh, over under 42 and a half. I kind of would make the case for both overs. Do you think we see enough of Ronald Jones to go over 35 yards? I think that might be my favorite prop this weekend. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I just I can't trust Bruce Arians <laughs> with the way that he treats <laughs> these running backs. It just it really scares me. And I think that I think if there's one team that is going to be I think motivated to use their running backs as a form of defense in this entire week, I do think it's going to be Tampa. Even though of uh, what Bruce Arians' um, you know reputation is, no risk it, no biscuit. I still think that they're the team that can benefit the most from slowing their respective game down. And so I do think that we see a fair amount of Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones. Uh, but if you go back and look over the entire course of this season, it, it's very hard to know who it's going to be in any given week between Fournette and Ronald Jones. If you know, Again, if forced to make the play, I would think Ronald Jones, because all things being equal this season, he's been the guy that they've leaned on more. But Bruce Arians never afraid to play a hot hand. That's been the case his entire coaching career. And Leonard Fournette, he hasn't necessarily blown away the competition so far in the playoffs, but he's played well. He's delivered for them. Ronald Jones looked pretty good in that win last week, but uh, it just comes down to a total lack of trust in what Bruce Arians is going to want to do. And we have seen him be one of the truest quick book coaches in the league when a running back puts the ball on the ground. And so that's also something that maybe is going to drive your decision-making, but I do think has to be at least an element of your decision-making process. I'm staying away from those Tampa backs, period. Michael, any truth to the rumor that you have considered tearing down that Cubs logo from the wall behind you? <laughs> uh, you know, maybe put it in mothballs for a little bit <laughs> until they make a, a more impact signing than Daniel Descalso uh, over uh, a span of years. But uh, this know. is the Jed Hoyer project, oh, man. Standard, you know, <laughs> I, tr- I tried to warn people early, even before the U Darvish, like all the signs were pointing to this being the Jed Hoyer project. Yeah. And, tear it uh, all down. It is. It is looking pretty ugly, but Hey, 81 games, 500 could win the NL Central this year, the way that these teams are uh, acting. So uh, we could be looking at, right, like another 83 and 79 NL Central champion just kicking back and cooling their heels and getting ready for the NLDS while the Padres or Dodgers win 102 and have to play in a coin flip game. They made Chris Bryant hate baseball. That's how bad. (laughs) Horvath, you're you're in Milwaukee. Are the Brewers going to be terrible too? I think the NL Central is going to be terrible, man. I mean – I have no idea. I thought the Reds were on their way up, but I don't, I don't know what yeah. it look like this year. It's going to be a weird year. It is. Yeah, it's going to be ugly. At least we got football, then college basketball, <laughs> and the NBA, so we don't have to worry about that because, yeah, it looks like it's going to be bad in these parts. Uh, thank you, Michael. Best of luck with all your plays this weekend. At M. Beller on Twitter from The Athletic. Thanks, Michael. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Good luck to you, too. Good stuff from Michael Beller, as always.